Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the TWS podcast. It's lights out and away we go. I got free sausages sent to me every week for a year. Brilliant. <laughs> no, I never really got uh, I never really got to a place where I could call Michael a friend of mine, really. Don't worry, guys, I'm back. Panic's over. I'm here. And it was Wayne Rooney who walked through the doors. And I remember him saying, just make the most of every moment. Hello, my name is Simon Lazeby and I'm a presenter on Sky Sports. You may have seen me present sports such as the F1, international rugby, England cricket and golf from around the world. However, I wanted to come and give you some information about the TWS Sports Podcast. The TWS Sports Podcast is the only podcast in the UK which is hosted by autistic students who interview some of the biggest names in sport. Each week, they speak to a different sports person and delve deep into their lives, talking about the highs and the lows of their career and what makes them a top athlete in their sport. The TWS Sports Podcast were voted the best sports podcast in the world that promotes social equality. They picked up that honour at the 2021 Sports Podcast Awards. So if you're a sports fan and want to hear these great stories with questions from some amazing young people who promote autism, then the TWS Sports Podcast is the podcast for you. Technowood School is a school for autistic children and young adults, and we set this podcast up to provide uh, our pupils with a fantastic opportunity to develop a range of skills whilst interviewing top sports and men, men and women from a variety of different sports. Joining us today on the TWS Sports Podcast is a Sky Sports broadcaster. He is the lead commentator for the Formula One. Welcome to the podcast. David Croft. Hi, how are you both? We're good. Great to see you. How are you keeping? You doing well? Yeah. Good. Jacob, you doing well? Yeah, we're doing well. <laughs> good man. I'm I'm very nervous today. Don't, Same. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm nervous for two reasons because I hear Simon Lazenby has been uh, has been talking to you guys and giving you a few questions. And that always worries me. And also, my football team are playing in the Europa Conference final tonight. And it's the first time in 47 years that my football team have reached the European final, which is why I'm wearing the West Ham jersey and why I'm a bag of nerves. Just don't worry. We we don't bite much. Okay, fine. That's put me at ease now, then. That's all right. (laughs) We like to start our podcast podcasts with some random questions before we talk about your career are you ready i am ready ready and willing and waiting okay first question who is the most famous person in your phone book this one always stumps people oh there's a thing who's the most famous person in my phone book um i used to have tony blair's phone number when he was the prime minister but i haven't got that now um, I think he's changed phones. Um, I've got Daniel Ricardo's phone number in my phone book. I've got so many people in my phone book um, that I'm actually not quite sure. Shall I have a little go through uh, just to see? I've got um, got Nasser Hussain, the former England uh, cricketer. I've got uh, Sam Allardyce. We spoke to both of those people. Have you? You spoke to Big Sam and yeah. Nasser. Brilliant. So you've got their numbers as well. Oh, I tell you oh, what. Adam does we don't? <laughs> I tell you who I have. I've got Fernando Alonso's uh, phone number in here. He doesn't know I've got his phone number, but I've got his phone number. That's quite funny. <laughs> could you, could you, could you, could you, could you give that phone number to 
remember to Adam. <laughs> Adam, Adam your teacher, would he like Fernando Alonso's phone number? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I've got, yeah, I've got a few people. I've got Lawrence Stroll's phone number in here, the man who owns Aston Martin. I've got Zach Brown. I've got Toto Wolf. I've got his phone number. Um, I've got Stefano Domenicali. I've got a few famous people in there. Well, that cover that covers the putting us in touch with a neck with another guest. Which is all that last questions. Exactly. <laughs> I got a question for you. If you Go could trade lives with which any with anyone, what for a day, who would it be and why? If I could swap lives with anybody for a day, mm-hmm. ooh, see, I love my job and I don't really want to swap with anyone because I love what I'm doing. But if I could swap lives with anybody, that's a really, really good question. I think, I think I'd like to swap lives with, if it was this week, or sorry, if it was next week, I'd like to swap lives with Max Verstappen because that way I get to know what it, it's like to lead a race, to win a race, to qualify and pole. We're, we're speaking ahead of the Canadian Grand Prix, so chances are Max is going to dominate that. And I'd, I'd really love to know what it's like to win a Formula One race. Mm-hmm. So maybe I swap lives with Max, but I'd also, I'd like to swap lives with Lewis Hamilton uh, from Turkey a few years ago in 2020 when he won his seventh world title. Because so I'd love to know what it felt like to win a seventh Formula One world title. Because that's just awesome, isn't it? All right. If you could have one superpower, what would it be and why? Invisibility. Okay. I'd love why? to be an invisible man. Well, that way I could wander in here and everywhere and here, there and everywhere. I could listen to all the conversations that the uh, team principals and drivers never want as journalists and commentators to hear. And um, I could then go and report it and commentate it uh, on it and let you guys know what's really being said uh, behind closed doors. So I think, yeah, invisibility. You'd want to be able to turn off said invisibility, though, right? Yeah. Why was that? Why do you reckon? Because then you'd be just nothing more than a floating pair of glasses. (laughs) I'd take my glasses off. How's that sound? Yeah, but if you couldn't turn yourself, turn the invisibility off, that wouldn't be very fun, would it? Yeah, no. I see, see, there used to be uh, once upon a time when I was your age. There was a show called The Invisible Man, and the only way you could see him was when he had his glasses on. And I just thought that was a bit pointless. The Invisible Man being a floaty pair of glasses. What would your superpower be, Alista and Jacob? Oh, that's new. No one's yeah. ever script was quite like that before. No, come on, tell me what your yes. superpower would be, you two. Mine would be electricity because I don't have to. Um, pay the power bill. Nice. <laughs> we call you Sparky. I like that. That's good. Okay. Mine would be the ability to communicate with animals. Nice. The pet whisperer. <laughs> I already know how to communicate with animals. By barking. No, as in, to be honest, send them back. Yeah, but can I, can if you bark at a cat, they wouldn't understand you, would they? No. They just get scared. Oh, poor cats. All right. Thank you for answering those questions. Let's chat about your career. Okay. We want to take you back to the beginning and talk about your childhood. Uh-huh. What, 
What's your childhood like and what is your earliest memory of sport? So I remember, I grew up in Stevenage, uh, which is where Lewis Hamilton comes from. It's a small town uh, outside of London. And um, I loved sport. I loved watching sport. I loved playing sport. I wasn't very good, but I loved playing. And I loved listening to commentators and uh, and sports commentators on the radio and on the television who just who brought the passion of the the sporting event uh, back to where I was. Be it, you know, listening on my radio in my bedroom or watching on the uh, on the television. At a very early age, I wanted to be a sports commentator. I really did. I, I it was the only job I really ever wanted to do. I have no idea how to get into it, um, but that was what I wanted to do. And then uh, my earliest sporting memory, I remember my, my dad took me to see um, to see West Ham against Liverpool in the uh, in the League Cup final in 1981, managed to get tickets. And Liverpool scored with about three minutes to go in extra time. We went 1-0 down. And I was always, I was in tears. I was like a 10-year-old boy. West Ham were not meant to be losing at that stage. And my dad put his arm around my shoulder. He said, don't worry, son, we'll be okay. And I said, okay, dad, all right. Still a bit nervous. And then West Ham went up the other end and got a penalty and equalized in the last seconds of the match. And from then on in, I knew that my dad was a man that I uh, I should be listening to and trusting at all times because he said we'd be okay and we were. And we, uh, we, we drew the match and we kind of went home happy, looking forward to the replay, which because it was West Ham, we then went on uh, and lost. Um, but I, I just had a, an absolute passion for going to sport, for experiencing sport. And when I was uh, working in Stevenage at a theatre, a few years later as a press officer, uh, one of my very good friends, uh, Darren, uh, got a job as the sports editor of the local newspaper. And he asked me, would I come and write about Stevenage Borough uh, for no money whatsoever? Uh, but I got I would get a byline, uh, my name uh, attached to the report and, and be the Stevenage Borough reporter. And so I did that, and that's what led to my journalist career, my commentating career. And I, I worked my way up the ladder. And then uh, in uh, 2006, I became a Formula One commentator for BBC Five Live for the radio. And then in 2012, when Sky got the rights to F1, they asked me to come and join them. Um, but there's, if I was to tell you everything that happened in between, well, you'd uh, you'd never go back to your lessons later. It would take all week. Okay. I want to take you back to 1994 and a football match between Stevich and Altrincham. This was your first ever radio broadcast. Yeah. What are your memories of it? <laughs> I remember being so nervous and so worried. First time I'd ever uh, picked up a microphone to report on, on Stevenage. Um and I remember the press box had about six people in it and it was a proper box with windows and enclosed off. And uh, I felt very self-conscious because I was the only one reporting for the radio and the rest were all newspaper reporters. But what I do remember is that Stevenage won 2-1 and uh, the winning goal was the most controversial goal you could imagine. The, the Stevenage striker, Martin Gittings was his name. He punched the ball over the line uh, with his hand. Yeah, literally punched the ball over the line. Is it a handball or does it not count because it's a fist? Well, no, honestly, it should have been a handball. 
It was his fist, but it should have been a handball. And I remember the Altrincham reporters getting very agitated behind me and uh, and shouting at the referee while I was trying to report on the radio and saying it was a goal. And then winding up the Altrincham reporters. Oh, it's a perfectly good goal. Don't worry about it. I don't know what you're getting all up so upset for. Um, but it was, a, it was a very controversial moment. We won 2-1. I thought I was dreadful. I thought I was the worst reporter on the planet until the next day when the uh, station editor phoned me up and said that he really liked my contribution and could I go and commentate on Luton against Sheffield United uh, the following week. And I thought, oh, well, maybe I'm a bit better at this than I thought then. And, and that's what started my radio career. It was, uh, we don't uh, have to pick there. up any microphones. <laughs> just got the no, yeah you've got that i don't pick up microphones now either i have a headset i have headphones and a microphone attached to it so i can wave my hands around in the commentary box or uh, i wish we had those so the oh, background noises don't get into our podcast <laughs> <laughs> we'll just talk we'll, we'll talk over the noises no one will notice in 2002 you commentated on the world cup in japan what was it like and what are your memories of it well well the world cup was in japan and korea uh, that year and i was i was actually based in korea in seoul in the capital and um, my abiding memory was of the way that the south korean uh, people celebrated what was a momentous few weeks not only were they hosting the world cup but the first match they played coincided with their first ever win at a World Cup finals. Obviously, they, they won to get to the finals, but they'd never won in, in a finals match before. And so they 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 won their first match. I think it was against Poland. And uh, myself and Ian Carter, who was uh, sorry, Ian Payne, who was our, our one of our presenters, uh, we were just watching uh, in a kind of fan zone, and then all the fans started moving to the underground i said come on let's let's follow the fans see where they're going and we emerged in a place called gangnam you remember you, you know gangnam style the uh the song oh yeah? that song yeah. oh, me about it. but gangnam's a place in seoul and there was like a big like four lane either side highway full of people there were tens of thousands of people celebrating on the streets so we thought, well, let's celebrate uh, with the with the local fans. We we bought a Be the Reds T-shirt, which they were all wearing, and we we learned some chants and we we mingled with the, the local fans and just had the most amazing night. And, but and you what... understood the Korean the Koreans. The Say that again, Lister. Say that again. And the Koreans. Well, we tried to learn a bit of the Korean language, and they that spoke well. a bit of English. Fo- football. Football is is a very good uh, way of, of of helping each other communicate. There was a song, is it "Day Hamingo"? I think was the song "Day Hamingo," um, that they were they were singing. So you know, we just joined in, and they were so hospitable and warm and friendly. Uh, the local fans and we stayed on the streets celebrating till about five o'clock in the morning, and it was uh, it was just the most amazing thing. Clearly, you weren't in the the career that likes to blow threaten to blow people up. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think that's the north. This is yeah, the no, south. That's the north. I'd like to do that. South yeah. is a good people. North. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why were they even given access to explosive material? I have no idea, Alistair. That that's another podcast for another day. I think that one. Okay, that was a bit too far. Okay, let's, just, <laughs> let's just get this. What did I do? Okay, okay. J- Jacob is your voice of reason on your shoulder there. You can't. Yeah, because we don't want to mention North Korea. What reason? <laughs> Best if I'll tell you after the podcast. 
Yeah. In 2005, you began working for five lot for five line two fives in one sentence <laughs> for a number of years. When you got the opportunity to focus on one sport, and that was F1, mm. didn't that didn't that opportunity come about during? A drunken night out in Las Vegas. Wait, you were drunk? <laughs> yeah. Well, look, you were drunk. I'll be honest with you. I'd had a couple of beers and uh, I was with some friends in Vegas. One of whom, and this is true. It's a true story. Don't laugh. Um, I don't one, mean to laugh. I really don't. <laughs> so, my friend Jason, who was the producer for Formula One at Five Live, at two o'clock in the morning in a bar in Las Vegas said, Crofty, you should be a Formula One commentator. Now, Jason had had a couple of beers as well, so I didn't believe a word he was saying. And I said, yes, yes, whatever, Jason, whatever. And he said, no, 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 you'd be brilliant at it. Um, you, uh, you're you just the sort of person we need, and we need a new commentator. So I agreed that we'd have a chat about it the next day when we both sobered up. If you remembered any of it. Well, exactly. No, I did remember it, to be fair. And Jason said he was absolutely serious and would I audition for the part of a, of a commentator. So what started in a bar in Vegas, then transferred to a radio studio where I had to make up a, a lap of Monza. So I had to imagine the start of a race and make it up and be as enthusiastic and as passionate as I could possibly be. And so I did that and thought nothing of it and didn't expect to get the job at all. And then uh, two days before Christmas, I got called into the, the 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 manager's office and was told I got the job and I was going to be a Formula One commentator. Good for you. So, yeah. So I phoned my my best mate up at the time, uh, Baggy, who's a lovely guy. And I said, Baggy, I said, I've just got a job as a Formula One commentator. And because he's my best mate, he's honest with me. He said, what do you know about F1? I said, I'm not sure I know enough just yet. I might have to learn a bit. Uh, but this could be a great opportunity. And uh, yeah, touch wood it was. I'm still doing it now. And I get to talk to guys like you uh, on a podcast, which I never thought I'd be doing ever. This is the most fun on a on a Wednesday morning I've ever had. <laughs> As you know, we spoke to a former Sky Sports cricket commentator, David Lloyd. Ah, yes. Lloydy. Do you know what? I'll give you a story about David Lloyd. I introduced oh. my dad to him once at a cricket match. And I was talking to NASA and to Ian Ward, our presenter. And I turned around and David Lloyd and my dad were having an argument about sheds in the back <laughs> of the surgery box. Seriously, I never thought you could have a row about sheds, but they were. Sheds? About sheds. You mean those Seriously. things that hang out in the garden? Yes. What, sheds? <laughs> so they're arguing about sheds. I don't, honestly like don't arguing know what... about pillows. What's the <laughs> point? <laughs> no, this was about sheds. Love it. Anyway, you spoke to David Lloyd. Sorry, I was interrupted. On the podcast recently, and he said there is a big difference between radio and TV commentary. He said that for radio, you have to be descriptive and talk about everything you mm. see on oh, see. And for TV, you you don't watch the game live, and instead you watch a, a TV monitor. And and it is important to not talk too much. In your opinion, how does does radio commentary differ from television commentary? Well, David's absolutely right. Um, radio, you are the eyes of, of the listener. 
the listener can't see uh, what you can see. So you're there to be to be those eyes, that 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 knowledgeable, informative pair of eyes that tells the whole story. Um, with television, obviously, you can see the pictures. So you don't have to be quite as descriptive. But I think the thing with Formula One that differs to cricket is is very is first and foremost the pace. Formula One is is much faster uh, than, than than cricket. Formula One, you can't necessarily see the story, uh, even if you're watching the television. You can't see the intricacies of the driving. You don't might not know the corners. Uh, you certainly can't see the drivers half the time because they're underneath the crash helmet and 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 there's a halo as well. Um, so you can be a little more radio-like in your commentary. And you don't have to leave the silences quite so much because so much is happening. And we're trying to tell a story and a full story um, with the use of the pictures on the screen, with the timing screens, with the GPS tracker that we've got uh, of all the drivers, with some stats thrown in, you know, with some relevant information about strategy to, to help you understand and follow the race. You tell who's who. Well, do you, know, uh, do you want another little secret? Do you want another little secret? Yeah. What? Um, so you know it's really difficult to tell from the crash helmet because a the drivers keep changing their crash helmets, and b you can't see them very well. But what I tend to do at the top of the car, there's like a, a little T above the uh, the engine uh, intake uh, airbox, and it's either a black one or a yellow one. That T. It's the camera. It's the onboard camera. They all have it. And so if you learn which driver has the black T camera and which driver has the yellow T camera, that then helps you identify them really, really quickly. So, for instance, at Ferrari, Charles has the black one. Carlos has the yellow one. Max has the black one at Red Bull. Sergio has the yellow one. George has the black one at Mercedes. Lewis has the yellow one, which got me a little confused last year because for the rest of his career, Lewis had always had the black T camera. Then he changed to go with the yellow, uh, to go with the lettering, the 44 and now in yellow as a, as a tribute to Valentino Rossi. So he changed it. And that took me a few races to get used to that because I've been saying Lewis had the black T camera for so many years. So that's how, that's how I identify. Even if I can't see the driver, I can tell which one is in the car by the T camera. What's the best piece of advice that you could give to someone who's starting out as a commentator? And what is the best advice you have ever been given? Well, the best advice I've ever been given, uh, I'll go back to producer Jason again at Five Life, who said, just remember, keep it simple, stupid. I said, sorry? He called me stupid. He called me a lot of things, but I deserved it. Now, he, um, uh, keep it simple, stupid. Don't try and overcomplicate things. Try and keep it as simple as you can. Not everyone listening and watching understands fully everything you're saying or the intricacies of the sport so you have to remember you're broadcasting to a wide and general um uh, part of uh, of society you know I, we we have so such a great cross section of people listening so we try and keep it simple uh, we try and have fun because if we're not having fun you'll never have fun you know we we laugh and we joke because you know we all love each other at sky and we're great mates on and off uh, the microphone um, and be yourself, I think, is the best advice I could ever give anybody. Don't try and be somebody else. Always try and be yourself. Because if you can't, you know, if you can't be yourself, you can't be anybody, really. And what what makes you stand out from anybody else is you and your your own unique 
uh, outlook on life and way the way you talk, the way the, the your mannerisms, you know, and that makes you great. And we're all great, and we all have the opportunity to 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 be great. So be yourself, and uh, and you never know how far you'll get. So be yourself, both of you. That's what I say. I, I, I'm loving. I'm loving both versions of yourselves here. This is great. Have you ever me- messed up daily during badly badly during live? Yeah. So you you just got a word wrong there. It happens. It's so easy. Um, it's so easy to mess up, Jacob. Um, I once got confused at the start of a race. Um, I couldn't quite see that T camera once again. I couldn't quite see the helmets. My, I got distracted by something behind the front two, and I thought that Nico, I thought that uh, Lewis Hamilton was uh, leading from Nico Rosberg. Turns out it was the other way, and uh, Nico got very upset that I said Lewis was beating him, and he uh, and he told me he told me about a week later I needed to get my eyes tested. So yeah, Nico, I did got some glasses, <laughs> and I once got really, really, really excited um, in Monaco about a, a battle between Sergio Perez and Jensen Button. It was my first year with Sky. And I love Monaco. I get really excited about Monaco. And um, I was getting all animated. Oh, Sergio Perez, Jensen Button, dueling going into the game. Who's going to come out on top? And while I'm doing this, Martin Brundle's giving me a look like, what are you doing, Crofty? Where, what's the matter with you, man? Why are you getting so excited? And I'm looking at Martin and I'm like throwing my arms around, getting really excited. <laughs> somebody <laughs> exactly especially the boxes in monaco they're really really small and um martin kept looking at me really strangely i'm like why is he looking at me strangely and i'm still trying to commentate and then martin pointed to the top of this television screen that we commentate off and it said replay <laughs> so i was commentating on a replay as if it was live and i completely missed the replay bit <laughs> what do you do? What do you do in that moment? You know, how do you cover up? The ground opens up and swallows you. That was one of the things, yeah. And I just went, and I, I looked at Martin. And I looked at the telly. I went, oh, so that's a replay, isn't it? And Martin went, yep. I went, what a doofus. <laughs> I've only used the word doofus once on air, and that was to talk about myself. And mm-hmm. uh, Martin laugh. And sometimes you just have to admit, you, you know, you make. As a my dad would say, duh. Um, but the thing is, <laughs> the thing is, we go on air without a safety net. <laughs> we go on air with a safety without a safety net. You know, when we make a mistake, we make a mistake. It's all live TV. <laughs> then what can you do? You just have to laugh it off and, and, and hope people get the joke. You know. One minute. Okay, you're doing very well. Don't worry. This is br- I'm loving this podcast. This is a great chat. In 2011, Sky Sports bought a coverage of F1 from the BBC. How did you feel about this at the time? And did Sky offer you a job straight away? Um, how did I feel at the time? So I'll correct you slightly. Um, they didn't buy it from the BBC. Uh, the BBC decided that they couldn't afford to carry on broadcasting F1. So they uh, just go, fully. here, take it. Yeah, well, it was it was what they approached Sky and said, "Look, help us out. Let's share the coverage. You know, you broadcast all the races. We'll do some of them, and and we'll both show it. But you know, we need some help because we, we haven't got the money uh, to broadcast Formula One. We can't really afford it anymore." So the BBC went to Sky, and Sky said, "Yeah, you know, we're the best sports broadcaster in the business. Of course, we're going to take that up. We've been after Formula One for years." 
superb. And I think the deal was done in about two days. It was a very, very quick deal. Hmm. And I was working for Five Live. I had to report on the news. I had to, I, I was live into the breakfast show at eight o'clock on that Friday morning and was being asked questions like, well, this is such bad news for the fans. You know, Sky have got the uh, the rights. And I'm thinking, well, I'd like a job with Sky, to be fair. So I'm not going to say this is bad news. But I did understand people's concerns at the time because suddenly to watch all the races, they were going to have to pay for it because uh, obviously Sky is a subscription channel. But I knew that Sky would do a really good job and would commit a lot of resources to give Formula One fans more than they've ever had uh, in the past. And so I didn't get the job straight away. At the next race, which is about three weeks later, I did meet uh, with the head of Sky Sports and the man who was the head of F1 for, for Sky. We, we, we were talking, but I was appointed in uh, late November uh, of that year. And uh, I phoned up Murray Walker, the, the legendary Murray Walker, the night before the announcement was made to tell him that I'd got the job because uh, Murray was a, a, a dear friend and um, he'd been really supportive in the early part of my career, well, throughout my career. And I just thought he needed to know. So uh, he was delighted. I was delighted. The announcement was made. And I think Sky have absolutely revolutionized the way Formula One should be covered. You know, from, from the Skypad to, to virtual cars to, to its own Formula One channel. Never before have, have, have viewers had a channel in the UK where every time the wheels turned, they would be broadcasting and, and we broadcast programs in between. And we, we committed a lot of hard work and effort and, and money and resources to being the best that we could possibly be. And, and this year we have all the onboards and all the team radios, so even more choice of of how you watch and how you consume it. You can watch on the go, you know, with Sky Go. You don't have to be in your house all the time. Uh, to watch it and and I think they've they've properly paid back the faith that a lot of Formula One fans have had in us um to 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 cover the sport properly and the audiences we get now are are huge compared to the audiences we first got uh we've grown the audience uh we've been you know we Formula One is very important for Sky uh because it's a flagship sport that uh, that we do very very well and cover very very well I think and um and we have a great time being on the road covering it for for fans like yourself how did you find the transition from a radio commentator to a television commentator um it's difficult at first i've done a bit of television commentary with football with darts as well um but i think i settled into it i i was very lucky in that alongside me was martin brundle and Martin is, is just the best in the business at what he does. Michael Douglas on the grid in uh, Spain. Uh, Martin went to interview him, legendary actor. And uh, he said, oh, Michael Douglas, how are you? Good to see you here. And Michael's first response was, ah, well, we're great, but we just want to say we love what you do. We think you're the best. You know, you, 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 what you do for Formula One is absolutely superb. And he's right. Martin is, is just a natural genius broadcaster. And to have Martin next to me was was really reassuring because you know we've we've been really good mates uh, for many many years. We love working together. We uh, we have great fun working together, and I and I absolutely respect everything he says when it comes to analysing and and, and co commentating on a Formula One race. So that really helped. 
but it did take me, you know, a few races to get into it. To be fair, um, I've done 345 races now as an F1 commentator. I still think I'm learning. There's still things that uh, that crop up that have never cropped up before. But I, um, yeah, I just take it one race at a time, try and do the best job and, and, and try and work as hard as I can to do an even better job the next time around. In F1, you travelled the world near nearly every week what shorts or travelers are your are you do you enjoy going from country to country well that depends on if he gets air sick <laughs> <laughs> do you think Alistair? do you think i'll get air sick mm, i think it's part of the job jobs description that you really shouldn't be <laughs> <laughs> yes to be fair if i did it would be a, a nightmare um do you travel have you been abroad yeah. Where have I'd you been, like Jacob? To. Yeah, well, you will do one day, I'm sure. Jacob, where have you been? I've been to Spain, Greece. Nice. I think that's all I've been, honestly. Shut I've off. never been sick before. I never no. have. I love flying. Um, I think it's brilliant. I love traveling. I love seeing the world. And I'm really privileged to be able to see so much of the world through through my job. It's I like a paid vacation. <laughs> now i always say Alistair, it's vocation not vacation yeah so it's 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 work not holiday although when we do have a day off it's rather nice um we don't get many though to be honest we, we tend to fly out on a wednesday or thursday and fly straight back after the race unless it's um say uh austin and mexico will stay in between because there's no point coming back to the uk to go all the way down to mexico um, but I, I didn't travel. I didn't really, I didn't go abroad really, apart from a day trip to Calais with a school, um, until I was in my early 20s. So I'm making up for it now. Um, it's tough sometimes. You do suffer from jet lag. You, you do get tired. You learn to sleep whenever you can when the season gets busy. But um, it's an absolute privilege to be able to do that and to go and see the world and experience different things and try and bring that into the commentary as well. Because the reason why we're there is to bring a flavor of the Grand Prix to every broadcast. And also to, for, for, for myself, you know, to go and get the stories that aid the narration and aid the commentary and, and to make the relationships with the drivers and with the team principals, with the engineers to understand what's going on behind the scenes so that I can help the viewers understand the commentary you know, on a Saturday, Sunday, or, or Friday for practice. You've worked a lot. You've worked in a lot of broadcasting teams and have travelled the world. You must have spent some spent time with some funny people and seen some great pranks. What are the best ones you've seen? <laughs> well, ooh. Simon Lazenby, we play pranks on him. Yeah, we, oh, uh, no. Oh, yes, we do. We we hide his passport from time to time because he always loses his passport. So we try and lose it for him and hide it. So he gets all upset thinking he can't go home. And then, oh, there's your passport there. Um, we do that. We uh, we once broke into his room uh, late at night. And uh, uh, well, not broken. We actually got the hotel night manager to uh, uh, to let us into the room just so we could uh, go and wake him up and then uh, and then leave because we thought that was really funny, which it was, uh, to be fair. Um, we we wind each other up all the time. And 
<laughs> yeah, we just, we are, the, the whole on-air team at Sky and the production team and the people behind the camera, we are we are one big family uh, when we tour. And, and we all get on, which is really nice, actually, to be in a team of about 55 people at a race who all get on, all have the same ambitions and goals to produce the best television we possibly can. And, uh, you know, our, our, our producers, our sound guys, our VT guys, our editors, our, our riggers, you know, everybody, they're, they're not afraid to wind uh, the talent up and to try and play pranks on them. And, you know, the uh, first time we went to Saudi Arabia, and they, they they sent me a photo of the commentary box and made out that it was like full of junk and I was going to have to like, squeeze in. And, and I was, I was back in the UK. I hadn't gone out yet. And they were, they were getting me all, all wound up that I'd have nowhere to broadcast from in the commentary box until I got there and realized that they were actually just joking around with me. And, uh, and trying to make me feel bad um but it's no we we we, we play a few pranks that do sounds you, like you, us off camera i was gonna say is that what you guys do at school we wind each other up a lot yes yes especially when, it, when we're getting ready for a podcast we wind each other up quite a bit <laughs> yeah we love winding him up good not really <laughs> he's winding you up anyways we have got in touch with one of the F1 Sky Sports con- colleagues. Colleagues, Simon Lazy, yep. who has a few questions for you. Are you ready? <laughs> yes. Talking of wind-ups, here we go. Right? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. Bring them on. Talk to us about your love of sausages and a buffet. <laughs> I do love a sausage in a buffet. I was a member of a thing called the Sausage Club once. Somebody, um, for my 40th birthday, they bought me a Sausage Club membership. I got free sausages sent to me every week for a year. Brilliant. That's <laughs> so wrong. <laughs> Mind out the gutter. <laughs> okay. When you mow the lawn, where's the best place to put your grass cutting? Yes, uh, you need to put them in a green bin. Uh, you need to put them in a green bin and have your uh, grass cuttings taken away by the local council. But when I moved into my house, uh, I didn't have a green bin. I had one green bag and the grass was so long when I came back from a race. I, you I, had, I had to go to a like a little wooded glade area near my house and, and tip the green bag uh, onto the floor. I did it once and somebody saw me who knew Simon Lazenby and told him and he's been winding me up about it ever since. Oh dear. Yeah. Ask him about his dead parrot. <laughs> Are you gonna do that? Come on, get him on, ask him about his dead parrot. He had a parrot. We are parrot. gonna ask him about a dead parrot. I mean what no, it wasn't a pet. Flew in and, and died. Poor thing. <laughs> that reminds me of the time time my mom got chased by a tarantula. <laughs> how big, no was, the, how no big was the tarantula? It was in the back garden. Right. It was orange. We, we, we've henceforth nicknamed it the orange bitey thing. <laughs> sure it wasn't your dad dressed up as a spider? You know, like a stupid Positive. <laughs> my dad went out and found the poor thing dead due to the cold. Oh. The spider was dead. Bless it. 
Mm-hmm. How did your stand-up comedy go with, go when you were in Malaysia? Malaysia, yeah, brilliant. So I, I've got a friend who owns a comedy club uh, in in Kuala Lumpur, and I, when we had the Malaysian Grand Prix, I said I'd go and see him one night, and so I did. And then it turns out that he got me on as a headliner at the comedy club, and I was having to do stand-up. Um, but, what? They were very generous. They laughed, which was nice. Um, it were, really was... Are you sure they're laughing with you and not at you? I... <laughs> See, this you do wonders for my confidence, Alistair. This is brilliant. You know, I'm, I'm going to be sorry. A, I'm going to be a shattered man by the end of this. I'm just, te- I'm just telling it like it is. Exactly, you are telling it like it is. Oh, Jacob, how how do you cope with this level of feedback at all times? Um, no, it, it went really he, well. He's, 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 he's just. Standing in for uh, for the usual. <laughs> oh, so the usual He's one actually. Take... Around. So the the yeah, usual I'm presents... busy. I got exercise. Our usual's busy for, for right now. He's a he's at work experience. His name's Tom. If Tom. you look at, if you look at our past sports cast podcasts, That's you'll it. see him. Well, we miss Tom. Uh, Tom obviously needs to lie down because Alista's been you know too busy in her feedback. He needs a bit of rest. <laughs> Um, no, it went very well, thank you, my lovely. They they um, laughed in the, all the right places, which was good, but it was the scariest thing ever. Standing up on stage, telling jokes to people was terrifying. I don't want to do that again. Okay. Why can you no longer wear your West Ham shirt at airports? Apparently, I'm not allowed to wear my West Ham shirt when we're travelling, which is awful. Um uh, Mainly because Simon Lazenby is a Manchester City fan and he gets jealous that wherever I go, I bump into another West Ham fan and West Ham fans love each other, you see. Not like not like these City fans. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's not team kit. I'm, and I'm only wearing it today, as I say, because West Ham are playing in the European final tonight. Well, you're not at an airport, so... Well, they say I'm okay. I'm, I'm in my home. This is my I'm... house. That's my office. And it says, lights out and away we go mm-hmm. on the wall. Just so you know, it's my and, office. And videos tell no tales. <laughs> Anyways, um, Martin Brun- Brundle. Brundle is famous for his grid walks. Yeah. What has been his funniest moments? And can you tell us about his grid walks? Grid well. walks? What can we say? So um, his attempts to get the uh, the Williams sisters, the tennis stars, to uh, talk to him are legendary. They always just say no. I think he's been blanked three times now uh, by the Williams sisters. Um, Ozzy Osbourne, not knowing anything that was going on and um, while Martin was asking questions. Uh, what else do we have? Um, <laughs> Megan the Stallion and her entourage last year. Uh, when he uh, interviewed Megan and then her uh, minder tried to stop the interview with a now legendary, you uh, you can't talk to her, you're not allowed. And Martin replied, I, I can because I did. And uh, <laughs> got the last word in, which was funny. And um, this weekend, absolutely brilliant. He was talking to Ben Chilwell and then Mason Mount uh, came along. So footballers, yeah, who were really good mates. And Mason Mount, subject of a lot of speculation, transfer speculation at the moment. And uh, Martin turned from Ben, went to Mason. And Mason said, what was he saying? And quick as a flash, Martin said, he says you're off to Manchester United, mate. 
which was <laughs> fantastic um, because we weren't allowed to talk about football, but Martin got it in in a really funny way. Um, at Silverstone one year, he was told that uh, Daniel Craig, James Bond, would be on the grid and he wasn't allowed to talk to him. So he went up and talked to him because that's what Martin does. The grid is his property, you know, uh, while he's got a microphone. And anyone on there is uh, is fair game for an interview as far as he's concerned. And he provides, I think, some of the, the greatest live unscripted television you're ever going to see. <laughs> I, I, I think the grid walk is magnificent. I remember what this one time involving a grid walk with our last guest, they said they brought in a lie detector machine. Oh yeah, we yes, we we interviewed Lewis Hamilton with a lie detector machine as well. Yeah, we need all that. The, see, I got very jealous. He was talking to Kylie Minogue uh, a few weeks back, and uh, he didn't bring Kylie up to the commentary box to say hello. He gets to talk to all the big stars down there. Mm-hmm. Very upsetting. Okay, you were also a bit of a cricketer. We yes. saw you clean ball Simon Lens Peter is. The Spanish Grand Prix. <laughs> I did. We were filming a promotion for uh, Sky Sports Cricket. Now, Simon is a is a decent cricketer, and he didn't realise that I could bowl a bit as well, and I produced the perfect in-swinging Yorker, which uh, clean bowled him. But the best bit was I got Karun Chandok with the next ball as well. So neither of those two want to play cricket with me ever again. I'm, I'm bad for their average. Picture Path is an award-winning visual timeline app that is empowering individuals with autism. This free app provides users with a simple way to plan out activities, such as going to a match or theatre, using structured timelines to reduce stress and anxiety. Users create a visual timeline that caters to their specific daily needs, allowing them to prepare for activities, events and routines. Picture Path provides a structure that enhances communication, promotes independence, improves memory recall and supports users to manage their day with confidence. Whether for personal use or in educational settings, PicturePath is the ultimate tool for individuals with additional needs, empowering them to manage their schedules, track progress, and enjoy activities. PicturePath, download the app today. Do you think that F1 needs a change to make it more competitive? For example, the cars should be more should could be more equal in performance and ability. Yes, I think the Red Bull should only have three wheels on. That that would be the best thing to do at the moment. Um, personally, I think our vehicle should have four wheels. Yeah, true. But the Red Bull, if it had three, would go a bit slower and it'd give the others a chance to catch up. Not if you, not you, not if you ho- add more horsepower to the others. <laughs> That's Maybe true. rocket launcher. <laughs> well, yeah, rocket launcher, not sure about that. Adding more horsepower could be expensive. I think... That I, I, That's not the kind I meant. <laughs> I think what's what we've got in Formula One is a team that's done a very good job. And nine other teams that have done a decent job, but not the job that they would have wished for. They will catch up. You've got to give it time. They will catch up because you start off at a level and a high level, as Red Bull have done, and there's only so far you can go on development. When you start off at a level below, you can go much further on development because there's only a finite amount of time you're going to find uh, in terms of lap time. So the others will catch up. you just got to give it a bit of time. And what we have in Formula One is a is a way of, of balancing it up a little bit with uh, the time you're allowed to, to, to test new items to make the car go faster in a wind tunnel. So Red Bull being the champions and being leading, they get a certain amount of time. And then the teams get more and more time behind them, depending on how far back they are. So the more you're allowed to test and develop things in the wind tunnel, theoretically, 
the more uh, chance you have of finding the right answers and making your car go quicker. So we have that. But everything takes time. You know, you're never going to have uh, an equal balance straight away because some teams have got, you know, more staff working on things than others. And some teams have got you know more clever people, you know, cleverer than the clever people uh, that are working on it as well. So um, I keep my fingers crossed that even if this year is a bit of a, you know, a Red Bull year of domination, and we should celebrate that, then years to come, things will be a bit more equal. Have you got any bits of F1 me- memorabilia Memorabilia in your house? Like a maybe a number plate. <laughs> <laughs> number plate. No, I haven't got a number plate. I um, My weirdest bit of F1 memorabilia, I have a, a second and third gear uh, cog ratio from the Braun 001, the Braun championship winning car that Jensen Button won his uh, 2009. How did you get it out of the car? Well, it was given to me, to be fair. Someone else took it out of the car. How would they get it out without no one noticing? <laughs> it, was the, it was officially given to me. Um, I didn't nick it. And uh, Andrew Shovlin, who is now at Mercedes, who was at, who was at Braun, he came around my house and he actually recognised what it was. It's, it's, um, on the, it's on one of my uh, uh, shelves in the living room. Uh, but he actually recognised exactly what it was. And uh, asked me the same question. How did you get that out of the car? They were very limited here. We only made them for the, for the brawn that year. Uh, so that's my favourite piece of, of memorabilia. I've got a few things that are, are tucked away. But I'm not I'm not one for keeping a great amount of memorabilia. I think like most commentators, I tend to, to live in the moment rather than uh, live in the past. But uh, I've got a few bits and bobs tucked away. Car pieces, most likely. <laughs> I haven't got a single piece of car other than that <laughs> Uh, ratio to be fair i wish i did have a bit of car It'd be worth a fortune yeah just maybe make sure no one's looking for us <laughs> <laughs> i won't tell now you won't tell but somebody would find out we play this game with some other sky sports pundits and presenters such as nasa hussein nasa hussein michael and atherton atherton rob key and bumble yeah. Matt Leticia. And your colleague, Simon Lensby. Can we play with you two, please? Yeah, go for it. Okay. We'll ask you some questions about your about your F your Sky F1 team, and you have to name one person as the answer. You ready? Yeah, go for it. If you could go on a night out with someone who would who would it be and why? Oh. I want to go out with them all because um, they're all brilliant. But I think Simon Lazenby would be uh, would be ni- my number one choice because he is, uh, he is without doubt the most fun person to go out on a night out with. Mm. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> you you have you have got this is just a scenario. You haven't really done this. I hope. <laughs> You have gotten into a fight. Who do you want to come and help you? Ted Kravitz. Okay. Yeah, Ted Kravitz. No, nobody, nobody bothers Ted Kravitz. Ted Kravitz is the law. Yeah, when Ted Kravitz says something, people people obey. So, uh, yeah, so Ted is my minder. Okay. Who is the last to the bar to buy a round of drinks? Anthony Davidson. He's dreadful. <laughs> okay. He's, he's, he's the man with the shortest arms and the deepest pockets. <laughs> 
Basically, he can't reach his wallet. That's his excuse. <laughs> Who would, would you like to travel the world with? Oh, all of them. Um, oh, picking one person is very, very difficult. Um, yeah, we like grappling. All of them. So Johnny Herbert, we used to have problems with on a plane because he he had this habit of eating boiled eggs on a plane, which I th- just think is wrong. Oh, no, I don't even like boiled egg. Neither do I. They smell horrible, don't they? I don't like egg unless it's in the cake. (laughs) I don't like eggs unless it's Easter. Yes, I do. Um, So, Johnny Herbert and his boiled eggs. Oh, that was never good for travel. Um, Although we love Johnny. I do love Johnny a lot. He's one of my busy mates. Um, Who would I like to travel the world with? I think, I think Natalie Pinkham. Because Natalie Pinkham knows so many people and every country we go to, there's always somebody Nats knows. So wherever we landed in the world, if we were ever in trouble, Nats would be the person to, to help you out because she'd know someone locally. Have you ever driven a F1 car? If so, what what is it like? I, imagine. I have. I had three laps in, uh, in an old uh, Lotus uh, Renault car. Uh, which I bore people with all the time because uh, this was one of the greatest five minutes of my life uh, to drive an F1 car. Um, massive acceleration, brilliant cornering speed, stopping so, so suddenly in such a short distance. It was ah, it was just brilliant. I, I What I would say, I, 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 I had tears in my eyes when I had to get out because I was just so overcome with emotion uh, for the whole thing. And it was it was a really moving experience. And it just showed me as well how supremely talented F1 drivers are to be able to to drive so effortlessly at such high speeds whilst computing so many different things in their brain. Um, I, I, I think they are some of the finest athletes on the planet. I really do. How many notes do you make for a race and what do you pre- prepare? prepare? in the lead up to the to a race so these are my notes from spain oh yeah. wow that's a lot of notes it's a lot of writing peoples uh, any magnifying goggles no i need <laughs> this is why i need my glasses to be fair and i always have this which is a track map with some okay. more notes yeah and i have a um i have a grid that i write out as well handwrite out and i have a few charts on the wall of uh of various stats but it's um so things like what do i write so um so on here on the track map i wrote 2013 nico rosberg only pole sitter to finish a spanish grand prix outside of the top five ever and that's pole sitters who finished uh the uh the race I think I wrote that down because I wanted to wind Nico up a little bit about that one because he was with us at the weekend. And how about this one? Uh, Spanish is the second most spoken language in the world. There are uh, over half a billion people speaking Spanish as a first or second language. But the Spanish national anthem has no lyrics, one of four national anthems without words. So I wrote that down just in case um, I got bored and wanted to talk about that. But it's basics, it's teams, drivers... Like lots of stats, um, 
Lewis Hamilton, it says here, won five consecutive Spanish Grand Prix from 2017 to 2021, six times Spanish Grand Prix winner in total. So it's just stuff that I can throw in uh, to the commentary just to aid, you know, what we're talking about or, you know, oh, see, I wrote this down. Driver, uh, Joe Guan Yu, driver of car number 24, celebrated his 24th birthday on Tuesday uh, of this week. So uh, I just thought it was quite a nice little thing uh, to write down on that one. So there's there's lots of different stats on there. But I find if you – another piece of advice, handwrite things out. Because if you handwrite them out, then you tend to remember them a lot easier than if you type them. It's true. I know it goes quiet. <laughs> Everything here has been typed. <laughs> Can you do us a favour, please? Uh, yes. What do you want to do? We would love to use your famous phrase on our podcast. Would, would you, be you able to, Yeah. Would you be able to say, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the TBS Sports Podcast. It's, it is lights out and away we go, please. Okay. Here we go then. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> welcome to the TWS Podcast. It's lights out and away we go. <laughs> that is perfect. <laughs> I've said it a few times, Jacob. I've said it a few times. Um, do I send the check? Uh, send send the invoice to Adam. That's a million pounds he owes me now. <laughs> One I million. Really got that kind of money. How about a couple favors instead? <laughs> you, Alista, anything? Not a problem. <laughs> okay, I want to take you to the end of twenty twenty one F one season. Yeah. This will probably go down as the most controversial race of all time. Certainly will. This is where Max Verstappen. Verstappen. These people have weird last names. <laughs> I'll <laughs> tell you that. The <laughs> Lewis Hamilton, someone actually can pronounce <laughs> on the final lap of the season. As the commentator out, out there at the time. Can you can you can you retell retell what happened from your point of view and what was it like commentating on that final lap? So it was a, a long season, and we went into the race with they uh, are with, well they are these days, but it was an intense season. It was a a, a, a really intense scrap uh, between Lewis and, and and Max. We went into the last race with both drivers tied level on points. So whoever won was going to win the world championship. And it was going to be between Max and Lewis because that's the way the season was going. They were going to contest the race. And for every single one of the the laps, um, bar one, Lewis Hamilton was leading and was going on to win an eighth world championship. But in the latter stages, Nicholas Latifi crashed. Safety car came out. Behind the safety car, Red Bull decided to bring Max Verstappen in for a change of tyres softer faster tires and he would still be right behind lewis hamilton mercedes couldn't bring lewis in to change his tires because if they'd have done that then red bull would have stayed out because they'd have done the offset and we didn't know if we were going to get a lap of racing or not because it we didn't know how long it was going to take to clear the car that had crashed we should have had a race finish behind the safety car because when the accident's cleared, lapped cars can unlap themselves, so they just get out of the way of uh, the battles they shouldn't be involved in. 
And then we have one more lap for everything to, to clear itself up and for the lapped cars to fully get out of the way until we go racing. This didn't happen in Abu Dhabi. Some of the lap cars unlapped themselves at the orders of the race director, who, when the cars moved past Lewis Hamilton, decided he'd bring the safety car in straight away. Controversial, because that's not what normally happens. So the safety car came in and we had one lap of racing uh, to the end. There was a lot of pressure being put on the race director by Red Bull and by, and by Mercedes, who were talking to him nonstop and he was trying to clear the accident. And he became overawed uh, a little bit uh, by, by what was going on. And he made a mistake. <coughs> and he got the rules wrong. Now, people have claimed that there was a conspiracy from the FIA to, to, to try and deny Lewis an eighth world championship. There was pressure put on Michael Massey to make sure Max Verstappen won. None of that is true. It really isn't. And people have to stop thinking about the conspiracy theories because they just didn't exist. But a mistake was made. I think conspiracy, th conspiracy theories are a bunch of crazies. Well, I don't think people are a bunch of crazies. I know what you're saying, but, you know, one, one day they'll find an alien walking on the planet and then, you know, all those conspiracy theorists will say, yeah, we were right all along. But in this but case... people with aliens, they're probably more likely to shoot them if any well, of the movies... I hope not. Them. I hope not. We shouldn't be doing that sort of thing. Yeah, we shouldn't go around shooting people. Don't, don't, yeah, no. put the guns away. We're getting off topic. Anyway. Sorry. Anyway, off topic. So I think the conspiracy theorists... Yeah, a lot of the Lewis Hamilton fans, they believe Lewis should have won. They're trying to find a way to to formulate in their mind why it didn't happen. It didn't happen because it's live sport and live sport throws up unpredictable events and dramatic events and, and moments that you'll never forget. And that's what it threw up with Abu Dhabi 2021, a moment none of us will ever forget. Being there in the moment. I had to try and commentate on, on a final lap where controversy uh, was one part of it, but excitement was another part. Max might still not win because he's still going to overtake Lewis. And then he went for the overtake. And as I said at the time, snatched the trophy out of Lewis Hamilton's grasp. But then Lewis might come back again, uh, which he tried to, but he didn't quite make it. And when they went through the turn nine, I think it was, uh, I think it is, uh, the left-hander, at the end of the second back straight, you, you knew then Lewis was going to struggle to overtake Max unless he made a mistake. What we didn't know is Max was cramping up with his uh, throttle foot at the time and could barely press his foot fully down on the throttle because his leg was hurting so much, but he drove through the pain barrier. He went on to, to win the, the championship. Um, what I said came off the top of my head. You try and find the right words in the moment. And you're aware that people are, are watching all over the world what's going on here. So you just try and sum up the story as succinctly, as, as accurately as you, as you possibly can, and then wait for the fallout uh, uh, after the event. And, and that fallout still continues to this day. I think, you know, we need to forget Abu Dhabi in terms of trying to find a different outcome, because there will never be a different outcome to the Abu Dhabi race. That is how it is now going to be in the record books. But... From my perspective, to be there, commentating on that moment, bringing the drama to the people back home who, you know, Ross Braun, who was, you know, legendary uh, Formula One figure, told me he was on his feet shouting at his television. And I'm sure he wasn't alone in that. But to be able to do that, to bring that passion, to tell that tale, that was, that's the honour. That's the privilege. And that's me doing, at that moment, what, all those commentators did for me when I was uh, eight, nine, 
10 year old boy living in Stevenage. You know, I'd properly fulfilled my dream of being a sports commentator, getting people excited and interested in sport, passionate about the sports um, at, at that moment. So what, what I used to do in front of my television, I was now doing on television and it was, it was a really, really lovely moment to be involved with. Although I, I still, to this day, I feel desperately sorry for Lewis Hamilton, who, you know, coulda, shoulda been an eight-time world champion had the rules have been followed properly. But that's not to take anything away from Max Verstappen either, who drove superbly well that year and and deserved as much as Lewis to be a world champion at the end of it. But, you know, there can only be one. So there had to be one and, and we had all the drama. Who is the best sports commentator from another sport and what is the greatest line line commentary what is the greatest commentary line of all time oh dear uh, i think there are some I, I i grew up you know listening to to some of the greats i've mentioned murray walker who without murray we wouldn't be able to do what we do in formula one he he was the voice will always be the voice uh for me he set a standard that we try and live up to and probably fail because uh, he was so good. Um, but without Murray's personality and character shining through and his brilliant use of words, you know, we wouldn't be able to do, you know, the style that we do today. Um, Barry Davis, Peter O'Sullivan, um, Peter Jones on BBC Radio, um, legendary figures, Harry Carpenter, Ian Dark, I used to listen to Ian Dark a lot uh, with, with boxing. John Rawling as well was another super commentator that, that I, I, I work with. Claire Balding, who you know is just the most versatile presenter and, and commentator I've ever had the pleasure uh, to, to work with. Um, Sid Waddell, who was a darts commentator, who uh, just used to make me laugh. And I was in awe of, of, of the stuff Sid uh, used to come out with some... Uh, some amazing, amazing commentary lines uh, that Sid was a Sid was a great um, student of history, and um, he, I think this this is probably my uh, my favourite commentary line of all time. When Eric Bristow won a world title uh, in darts, and uh, he he basically no one could beat him in the world. He was he was the greatest darts player at, at that particular time. And, and and he won the title and, and Sid came, came up to the mic and he said, when Alexander of Macedonia was 33, he cried salt tears because there were no more worlds left to conquer. Eric Bristow is only 27. <laughs> and and basically what, what he meant by that and what he meant by that line was um, Alexander of Macedonia, they called him Alexander the Great, um, basically... He'd reached his zenith. He'd reached his limit. He couldn't go any better, and he was six years older than Eric Bristow, who in the darts world had done exactly what Alexander the Great had done and conquered absolutely everything. And nobody had ever put classical history together with darts before Eric Bristow came along. Um, but I, I got to know uh, Sid Waddell uh, very well. Um, we used to have a lot of fun whenever we caught up. And sadly, like Murray, he's he, he's no longer with us. And that there, there are commentators that have uttered brilliant lines. Um, there, there are moments in sporting history you remember for the commentator and what they did uh, at that particular moment, and that's you know that's what 
that's the position I'm in that I that I help people remember those sporting moments by issuing a uh, you know a, a brilliant line and you know we we <laughs> I did the lights out and away we go for you and people come up to me all the time and say you know it, that's our Sunday you know our, our excitement starts when you shout lights out and away we go which is really weird um it's you know it's a catchphrase and and I say it because I, I want to say something without thinking so I can recognize who's had the better start and who uh, and who's got away off the line well so uh, uh, from that has come a bit of a catchphrase and um if everyone's joining in and shouting it on a Sunday brilliant please do okay can we play a quick fire game with you, please? Another quick fire game, yeah. Yes, it's basically a would you rather. Okay, like it. Okay, beach holiday or city break? Beach holiday, all time. Okay, night in or night out? Oh, night out. Okay. Uh, or night in, depends. I love a night in with my other half. Okay. We don't get many of them. Okay, West Ham win the Premier League or England win the World Cup? West Ham win the Premier League at all time, but let us not forget... When England did win the World Cup, they did it because they had West Ham players playing for them. Captain, yeah, and the two goal scorers were all West Ham players. So I'm not having any of this. England won the World Cup. West Ham won the World Cup. So <laughs> okay, okay. West Ham win the Premier League and West Ham win the World Cup. Come on, <laughs> Okay. Radio or TV? Radio or TV? Ooh, that is tough. Depends. Um, TV. TV, I, I love working in TV. I, I adore the intimacy of the radio medium as well. I, I, there isn't an either or on that one. It depends what sort of mood you're in, uh, to be fair. Um, but I do I do find myself listening to radio quite a bit, uh, especially when I'm in the car. Love love listening to a radio show. I'm not a great podcast listener at all. Um, I like live radio, but I will be tuning into this podcast a lot because the interview <laughs> has been superb. Beer or wine? Beer or wine? Uh, wine. Okay. Much more refined. Talk to animals or speak every language? <laughs> oh. Uh, speak every language. Okay. And I'll tell you why. Because wherever you go in the world, even if you can't speak the language, make an attempt to say a couple of phrases because it goes down really well and it shows you've made an effort. And we should always make an effort wherever we go in the world. Mm. Phone call or text? Phone call. Okay. Explore space or the bottom of the ocean? Ooh. See, I do I do go scuba diving when I'm on holiday, but I'd love to go into space. Wouldn't okay. you, Jacob? Do you re- hey, Jacob, how do you reckon you'd get on, right, if you and Alistair were sent into space for, like, like a year? Uh... I wouldn't even cope. I hate darkness. <laughs> I would... <laughs> If I was stuck there, I would never be the same. I would be not myself. I would be like Gollum from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> All right, Alistair, you and I'll have to go into space then if Jacob... Okay. Yeah. As long as you don't make me look down, I'm scared of heights. <laughs> that could be tricky when you're hovering, you know, a few miles above the earth. No, as, in, as long as I, the, the flooring isn't see-through. Well, as, long as, as long as I don't have to look down... I realise something but darkness below me, I'll be fine. Oh, you so have to make sure the earth is above us at all times. <laughs> no, 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 that's not it. <laughs> I meant 
No, I said no. No, I, this is a problem. I can I can tell the computer programmers at NASA make sure the Earth is above us, not below us. We're, like, <laughs> we're not looking down. We're only looking above. We want to see the Earth up there. We can do that. I mean, as long as the floor isn't see through. <laughs> yeah, it won't be see through. I promise you. Mm-hmm. Would you rather go back and meet your ancestors, or go forward and meet your great great grandchildren? Ooh, I think I'd love to go forward. No, I'd love to. Yeah, I'd like to go back, and I'd like to meet some of my ancestors. Um, yeah, yeah, I can. I can wait for the future. Future will happen. Okay. Would you rather fight one chicken the size of an elephant or ten elephants the size of chickens? Yeah, bring on the ten elephants the size of chickens. (laughs) Yeah, not a problem. Okay. a chicken-sized elephant? That's massive. <laughs> I'd be more scared than your mum being chased by a tarantula. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm okay, sorry, okay. Mum, but then you're not going to live it down if you hear this. Not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about that in commentary now. Okay. <laughs> Seriously, Max Verstappen through turn five faster than a Lister's mum being chased by a tarantula. <laughs> Okay. I'll just make her coffee. She'll be fine. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Make sure you put it on mute. Plus, 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 unplug the televisions. Series. I don't know what series just done, Alista, but I didn't hear you there. My Siri just went off. Okay. (laughs) What I what I said is. Unplugged televisions tell tell no tale. Can you just repeat that one more time? I'm okay. Sorry. <laughs> I said unplugged televisions tell no tales. Yes, exactly. Don't, but don't unplug it because then you see. I, I I need you to be watching on a Sunday so we get the best viewing figures. Yeah? <laughs> You'll have to be fired for unplugging televisions. What does the next ten years looks like for you? Will you still be in F1 commentators? I hope so. I love what I do. I don't want to stop. Uh, and I hope that the next 10 years shows, you know, more variety in terms of, of teams and drivers winning. I hope that uh, we continue to grow the audience in the way that we have been doing, that we go to new places, new Grand Prix, but keeps, you know, the old Grand Prix on the track as well. But I, I also hope that, as Susie Wolf was saying, the, the, the head of the F1 Academy, that within the next 10 years, we see a female driver in Formula One as well. Now, I hope so. Yeah. We, need more, we need more ladies in the world of sport, don't we? We do. There is no reason why we shouldn't have a female driver. Um, and that gives that 10-year period gives time for people to start off in karting, go through the junior series, the junior formula, and and to get into Formula One the, the right way, you know, when they're ready and when they're when when they're good enough, and I think we'll do that. I think we need to be racing as well on the African continent because we're a world championship and we don't race in Africa, and I think that's wrong because there's a massive audience there that that are waiting to embrace Formula Wait, if One. If it's a world championship, what am I, why can't you race in Africa? Isn't that well, part of the world? It is part of the world, but at the moment we don't race there. We used to in South Africa in Kyle Army. Um, but you know, let's 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 as a sport work on finding a venue on the African continent, you know, and wherever we go, you know, I hope that F1 inspires 
people in that country to to want to get involved be it as a driver as an engineer or you know, some of the many many jobs that are in formula one and you know and and and, and, and embrace what the sport stands for you know we we are a diverse sport getting much better at that uh, at all times we are we are one we are formula one and i think we 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 think and act as one and, and do the right things and and i think lewis hamilton sebastian fettel have helped formula one you know find a voice off the track now as well and it, it's right that we we go to, to to new territories new countries new continents uh or go back in the case of africa to a continent that we should be there and you know we should be following the, the whole wide world on this one not just uh not just going to you know places because they offer the most money we we need you know the, the money is is necessary it's not a cheap sport but sometimes you have to take i take a bit of a lost leader in terms of, of of a hosting fee and um and and go to where it's right to go and it's right to go to africa every week on the podcast we like our guests to ask questions to each other so we got we get a guest to ask a question, but they have no idea who the question is going to be for. None. This week, week's question comes from our previous guest, which is a for, which was a former Manchester United footballer, Brian McClare. Oh yeah. Who, who asked, "What would your best friend say is your most attractive feature?" <laughs> We're sorry, he asked this. Oh, blimey. Uh, what would my best friend say is my most attractive feature? Probably not my face. Um, I'd say that my busy mates will say I've got a big heart, you know, and, and wherever I am, <laughs> wherever I am, I might not see my mates all the time for obvious reasons because I'm away a lot, but where whenever they need, you know, a voice of reason or, a, you know, uh, a chat or a laugh or a giggle you know I'll always make time for my friends uh, and, and put aside a bit of time and uh, and I do I dearly love and care about all my mates because they keep me grounded and they keep me they keep me sane it's very easy in this world to to not be grounded and to 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 be really arrogant and, and full of yourself but um they, they never let me do that and it's, I know a few people like that say that again Lister I know a few people like that well, I hope they're your busy mates too. That's what that's what you need in life. Mm-hmm. Great question. Well, Brian McClare, what a footballer he was. Mm. Could you do the same, please? Can you think of a question to ask our, ne- our, ne- our next guest? Yes. But we aren't going to tell you who the guest is. The question can be oh. anything you want. Oh, dear. Um, that's, that's really hard. That's because you want to ask a question that's tailored for 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 the person. Um, just ask, just ask a question that's one size fits all. <laughs> he used to play for Oldham, didn't he? Fitz Hall. He was a footballer, <laughs> and and he, he was a footballer. He's a defender. He played for Oldham Athletic. <laughs> his name was Fitz Hall, and his nickname was One Size. <laughs> really, he was mega. Um, what has been the best piece of negative feedback that you've used to inspire you in your career Mm. and I'll say that because when I first started at Sky um someone tweeted me and uh I've used I've used this as a brilliant piece of of negative feedback that has inspired me and and helped me you know 
um you know try a little bit harder work on things a bit and always remember to smile Mm -hmm. uh, because you're never going to please all the people all the time someone tweeted me to say crofty why don't you use the practice sessions to practice being a little less rubbish and I thought that that was was utter genius. I didn't. He didn't use the word rubbish. He used a four letter word that I'm not going to repeat now. Yeah, um, we're yeah, kid friendly. I'm 16. He's 13. Exactly. That was, um, well, that was one year out. Okay. Either way, um, that inspired me. I thought it was brilliant. It was a beautifully well constructed piece of criticism and sentence. I couldn't disagree with it uh, whatsoever. Uh, and I remember that all the time. So I try not to be as rubbish as uh, as as he says now so basically we all get negative criticism this is the question we all get negativity but what's the best piece of negativity that you've turned into a positive and and helped inspire you for the future okay now that you've asked the question we're going to break a very old rule in our podcast we're going to tell you who our next guest is oh go on who is it our next guest is damien hill damien hill oh wonderful Yes, Champ will love that. Mm-hmm. So we call him Champ. Yeah, because although Nico and Jensen are also world champions who work with us, Damon got there first, so we call him Champ. He is he is one of the most beautifully serious, funny people I've ever, ever had the pleasure to work with. But you need to ask him. You also need to ask him. Now I know he's coming on. He's, right, just ask him, is it true you once... Uh, dived into a swimming pool in Bahrain in just your underpants after getting back late, after getting back late from a party with the crown prince and see what he says. <laughs> okay. okay. Damon Hill and his underpants in a swimming pool. <laughs> That's only going to happen if he gets a little bit too much. <laughs> no, 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 Jacob, you'd be fine with that. Just don't tell him I said, shh, keep it quiet. It's a secret. Wait, don't worry. Don't don't worry. That wasn't the, that, that question wasn't the, the question which we tell who the last next guest was. So we'll squeeze it in at some other point. We'll say we'll... Simon told us. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he'll play Blazingly. Brilliant. Who you want to throw under the bus for it? <laughs> <laughs> but Dave, Damon, you'll love. He's, he's, he's just, he's such a good bloke and a brilliant driver in his time as well. I would like to say a big thank you again to everyone who listens to our podcast. We really appreciate it. Please continue to leave reviews and pass on, pass our podcast on to your friends and family. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today, Crofty. We, we really enjoy speaking to, with you. And it means so much to us as a school to be able to have the opportunity to speak with you. You know what, guys? Um, like I said at the start, I'm really nervous about the football match tonight. And for the last hour and a bit, you've absolutely taken all my nerves away. And the pair of you have been a delight to talk to. Um, this has been my honour. Um, it's been my pleasure to have a little chat with you guys. Um, you you absolutely rock. Um, so go and rock the world. Yeah, you, you, you're gorgeous, gorgeous human beings. Thank you for getting me on. I've loved this. Uh, this, is a, this has been an absolute treat. Uh, today so thank you very much for uh for wanting me on because i'm just a little old commentator um and that but uh guys take care have a Bye. brilliant day enjoy thank you very much have a nice day yeah, you too take care now bye bye what did you think so what was your favorite part my favorite part was when he when he told us about they got a little bit too much 
drunk on Las Vegas. <laughs> but mind you, that's normal when you're in Las Vegas. <laughs> that always happens to everyone. And once we drink too much, you start spending money on casinos and then you wake up. You got no money. Thankfully, you remembered everything. Yeah, I remember the whole thing. And he reminds me of um, Sammy Lee because he also got drunk one time, but instead he was on a plane. And he robbed his <laughs> Alyssa, what do you think of the podcast? He was a, I loved it. He was a really funny guy. What was your favourite story? My favourite story? Probably. The time where he said he did something on purpose just to tick, up, tick someone off. Or was it hide the passport? Yeah. <laughs> passport hiding. Brilliant. I don't need to hide no passports. If I my hide, parents lose them. If I actually hid in the passport, one of my friends would have beat me up. They were went, you better tell me all this not cool. Thank you for listening. Please continue to listen to to follow us on our YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Facebook. etc. We really enjoyed enjoyed today. Keep listening. See you later. See you. Have a nice day. The TWS Sports Podcast combines autism and sport. This unique podcast is hosted by children with autism, and each week they interview famous sportsmen and women from around the world. The TWS Sports Podcast takes you deep into the sports star's career, their highs and lows, what happens away from the field of play, and so much more. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. The TWS Sports Podcast, where autism and sports combine.